and welcome to this episode of Unpack This Brain. Um, I'm Josh, and as usual, I've got... Eunice, hello. Hello. Um, we do have a very special guest today, yes. but before we get to that, we'll just check in with each other. Mm-hmm. How have you been? We are so close to 2022, we I'm terrified. And so, it's I'm a balance. I'm really good in mentally and that I'm excited for the end of the year mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. um like personally I just really like Christmas and that time with family yeah. um and then work-wise it's feeding into work as in like I'm feeling generally good at work which is yeah. really busy to mm-hmm. wrap up everything our year 12s will be graduating soon yes. so just sort of helping them transition um into the outside world mm. um which isn't all on me it's also like the teachers help and um the lady that does the vocation stuff helps so it's all good it's a team effort it's good um but yeah just preparing for the end of the year lots of celebrations yeah. happening mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm actually in a really good space That's i good. always am at this time of year oh yeah yeah same same you? actually um i've wrapped up by the time this goes out, I would have wrapped up for one of my jobs, mm. with, which is working with my young people. Oh, yeah. Um, and that has been very, very emotional. Yeah. Um, because I don't get to see them. Basically, I don't get, go back on campus um, after the program's over. Yeah. Um, but it was great to see them graduate and them saying goodbye. I think them saying goodbye has hit me a lot harder mm. because they also know that they can't see their mentors anymore. Um, and yeah, that on Tuesday, the Tuesday passed, that was our, my last session with them. And I, I just, yeah, it was, it was difficult to say goodbye, I think, but I think more so for um, the kids. Because mm. I had one kid who came up to me and actually no, I had a few kids come to me because they know that, you know, while I'm not like directly involved in their conversations with their adult mentors and stuff yeah. they know that i've always been a presence that they can come to so they will i think yeah most of them came to me and said goodbye so it's like oh oh so yeah. it's a chapter closing for them yes and hopefully i get to go back and see them next year yes i was gonna ask for you what does this mean <clears throat> what does this mean um it's basically meant that i realized that um, I'll probably stay working with even young people for a bit longer, Ooh, <laughs> um, which obviously means there's another end to there's another chapter that's closing in terms of my academic career, which um, mm-hmm. is currently on a wait and see. We'll see how many days I get mm. working with youth and young people, and then we'll go from there because it all hinges on yeah that and working for nonprofits. That's how I have to roll, unfortunately. Mm. Um, if I get a permanent position with um, my charity, then that's really great. Yeah. It means there's some security. Yeah. But if I get a contract next year, yeah, it'll be fine. I have other plans in store anyway for next year. So. Yeah. So you're saying you hope that if the youth and young people job mm. gives you more hours, you'll take that? Of course. Yeah, hands down I'm <laughs> kind enjoying down. it and it's like a really nice little plot twist because like you said it was like you were leaning more towards other parts of counselling mm. um, and support and you've mm. sort of fallen into youth and young people I really have fallen into and but you like it which I love because it's fun it's fun <laughs> it's I, I really enjoy it space for me. It's, the, it's the change that I see in them the most that yeah. makes me really proud yeah. which is what I told them at their second to last session yeah. I was like, I'm incredibly proud of each one of you to not only have stuck it out for this long, 
um, but also to have seen what you have seen change in yourself. Yeah. So that alone has given me the is the reason why I sort of want to stay is to see that outcome for them. Yeah. Which is why I cried at counselling because then I recalled all of those stories about this one particular young person that I saw throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's special. Yes, fun times. Fun times. Anyway, we should introduce our (laughs) our (laughs) very first our first guest. Oh, it won't be the last time I think we'll have this guest on. Yay. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Like guaranteed back. back. There, there's always more. We can always talk more anyway. That's yeah. it. Hello, Ricky. Hello. Thank you for having me today. No I'm worries. excited. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, nervous. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's fair. Uh, yeah. We were both nervous. You most definitely more the first time. I was so did nervous. Because Josh was already podcasting for way, yonks, yeah, years, think, well before. Yeah, so I was you very, very that. nervous. I was like, do I know how to talk? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, all these skills just words? go from my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So um, I graduated from QUT in 2015. So I did my double degree in social work and psychology. Mm-hmm. And since then, I have worked in... I started off in homelessness mm-hmm. and then um, found out that was not the space for me. I think there it was just like... It was very practical support. So it was crisis accommodation and we were looking after, I guess, residents um, from the building, which had about... Maybe like 80 residents there. Um, But I just found like my ability to work as a social worker there was very limited to just housing, Mm -hmm. that sort of sector. Um, Wasn't my space, so I moved on. (laughs) I actually worked a bit with the Australian Bureau of Statistics for a little bit. Oh, okay. So I helped out with the census um, and did... Um, I was part of the specialised team that went to Redlands, the city, and went out looking for people that were sleeping rough. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah. So they could be um, participants for the census as okay, well. Okay, that's cool. Um, and then from that, I got into family support. Mm-hmm. So I've been working there now for, I think, five years, oh, wow. going on to six. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love it. It wasn't an area I ever thought I would yeah. get into. I was actually more mm. interested in human rights. Oh. Um, but I thought, how can I, you know, support this world we live in if I don't have enough experience just engaging with my local community? Mm. Yeah. Um, so just building those foundations of my practice and we'll see yeah, where it yeah. goes. Yeah. Cool. That's really awesome. So, yeah, it's been five, almost six years in family services. Um, I was going to say it must be that you like it. And you've said that, that you do love it. Um, so what do you reckon about it is the most enjoyable? Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I first started, I got into the family intervention service. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just working with tertiary level um, clients, which is, I guess, child safety involved okay, um, yeah. families. So I was working in the um, short term and long term space there where yeah. it was um, either an IPA where children are still at home and 
they're being supported by child safety Mm -hmm. or I was working with families whose children were removed Mm. and supporting them to, I guess, make changes so they could have their children back. Mm, Um, So I I really enjoyed it because... um, I think it was very foundation social work 101. Oh, okay. It was like I had all the elements of like maybe, you know, this family's psychosocial well-being mm-hmm. where I could tap into a lot of parts of their lives that weren't just limited to housing, Yeah, for example. So I really was thrown in the deep end, yeah. I feel, um, to sort of just navigate the different systems as well as really just seeing each family individually and seeing just the differences in their stories Mm. but the commonality of I guess maybe child safety involvement Mm, yeah so it was a space where I got to really just be an observer at first and just really interact with these families in their homes and just get a feel of what life is like Mm. but also be aware of you know where I come from Mm. my background and I guess being non-judgmental mm-hmm. in that sense and just being present and understanding um, how they do things day to day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned that you did a double degree in behavioral science and social work. Mm-hmm. What was, why? I'm curious to know why you decided to, I guess, explore both. I, I don't know how, how would yeah. we've described it as like a continuum in terms of like helping professions is psychology but behavioral sciences are on the very clinical end mm-hmm. and social work is on the more practical you know working with clients in te- quite intensively sometimes mm-hmm. in a humanistic sense so I'm curious to know why you decided to do that yeah um so originally it was just psychology that I was focused on oh, yeah. um so I think around Grade 11, grade 12, I was very lost with my identity of which, you know, career pathway I wanted to go to, which I feel is a lot of pressure, you know, for a 16, 17 year old at that stage. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think with our sort of family background as well, it's very focused on just excelling in careers that, you know, we're encouraged that we're interested in. Um, So... In my mind, it was like, you know, I want to do psychology. I'm really interested in how the human brain works or I'll be observing maybe a group of people at school and just like, why are they like that? You know, <laughs> what, so what differentiates, you know, their behaviours to mm. the students over here? Like yeah. just the diversity. Mm. Um, and I started thinking like, I wonder, you know, what, what their family is like or what home life is like and really just... I think it was just a gradual continuation of me just being curious to Mm. um, others. And then it was getting to the point where it's like, you know what, year 12 is finishing up. What do I want to do? Yeah. Um, And mum was like, you know what, I was talking to psychologists over in the hospital and, you know, in terms of careers, Mm. like unless you're really going to continue studying in that area it's very competitive Mm. um but she was like but you know in the hospital we have social workers Mm. as part of the team as well Mm. and they are just as um i guess interested in understanding human behavior and supporting you know these patients to ensure their ongoing well-being outside of the hospital Mm. 
I was like, yeah, no, I like that. And the idea of doing a bachelor's degree (laughs) of social work and coming out with already the profession from that without having to study. Yeah, Yeah. studying more. I was like, you know what? I'm still interested in psychology, but this opportunity to do both, why not? Yeah. um, Unfortunately, I actually didn't get the right OP to get into the double. Oh, oh. Yeah. it was a different OP for the double. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it piggybacks off of the psychology yeah. as well. I was mm-hmm. like, oh no, my life is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually just got into social work. Yeah. Okay. So I did a year of that and I was like, oh my God, I actually love the practicality and mm-hmm. the human touch. Yeah. To it. It's mm. very gentle, supportive, very empathetic. Mm, okay. I was like, this is definitely an area I want to continue, but I think I still was like, I want to understand the science behind mm. the brain, yeah. the science towards all the physiological stuff that happens within us yeah. um, to really enhance the way I work with people yeah. so I can get a sense of what might be going on for them as well as the ability to help practically yeah. yeah yeah i can imagine that is a great double degree because of how you've explained it the practicality but also mm. like the internal scientific part of it mm. and then putting that all together mm. so have you noticed like in your line of work now that you do draw on on both social work but also psychology yeah 100 percent. Yeah. and i think um i think it's interesting especially if we're going to talk about systems and the mm. health yeah. system Especially now, it's so overcrowded, wait lists for some things, some are like 18 months, you know, ridiculous Mm. waits where these families are struggling now. Yeah. And they're supposed to wait 18 months to address that. Um, So I find myself doing a lot of um, psychoeducation with families, um, even just normalizing some of the behaviors that children might be displaying. just to also let them feel like they're not alone. They're not the only family that's struggling, I guess, with the stress and issues that are going on in their home life. But um, just to almost give them that sense of hope. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. although it might be an amount of time to wait, um, we're still taking steps to support it. It's never Mm -hmm. too late. Mm-hmm. yeah mm. totally wow that is so powerful yeah. it's like you have the skills to be able to support them in the meantime while they're waiting mm. for whatever the the referral of the services they're trying to get into yeah yeah and that in itself could be so helpful just somebody that's there to listen to them and to just be mm. like it's, you know um it's going to be okay and support them yeah 100 yeah. mm. percent. I, I think the best thing about like um our team as well is Everyone actually has different backgrounds oh, or qualifications. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, human services, psychology, mm. social work, counseling. Um, mm. So it's really good in terms of when we do work with our families to draw upon each other's strengths. Mm. Um, and maybe I'll do an intake with one family and realize, okay, a lot of their needs are very practical. Mm. Yeah. And then another family, a lot of mental health and mm. understanding went on there and really allocating, mm. you know, the most suited worker 
yeah. um, for that family too. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. cool. So it's multidisciplinary in yeah. where you're at. Yeah. yeah, that's really awesome. I think that for Josh and I, we really love the you know the collaborative space, and that's what mm. a lot of our background comes from. Is yeah, you know, it's it's drawing on other people's perspectives and how everyone has a different lens and different things to bring to the table. Yeah. So it's so cool that you're you given the opportunity to do that. Yeah. yeah, and and I guess off of that, you know, like working in working in with community as well, and then being able to recognize that you don't have all of the, you may not have all of the skills that are you know who can really support this family, but you know someone else who does, mm-hmm. is something that I wish that a lot more client facing organizations could actually employ, mm-hmm. because. I know there are there are organizations out there who will just expect there's an expectation for all of their workers their client facing workers to essentially do the work themselves without the triage needed so mm. for you for your line of work and particularly where you are right now i think that's really important and really valued especially for the families i can imagine so yeah yeah mm. well, there's been a lot of changes um i think throughout the program's progression Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of changes to the way we work. We used to just allocate a worker mm-hmm. and then they would meet the family. Um, but we found there was a lot of, um, at times, disengagement. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because it wasn't the right time for them yeah. or maybe because, you know, they just didn't build that rapport with the worker very well and that just, you know, lost a bit of, um, I guess, their motivation mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, you know, even with counselling or, you know, when you really connect to your therapist, yeah. I think you're going to be more open to, I don't know, understanding yourself and looking towards the changes you want to make versus yeah. maybe a therapist who is talking a lot or assuming a lot yeah. and making, I guess, making that judgment with you as to what you need. Yeah. Um, which can be helpful, but I think it's like varying depending on the vulnerability of the person. Mm, yeah. Totally. And I so I so feel that on many levels, especially working with young people, with the vulnerable mm. young people as well. Mm. It's all about the relationship. And you can spend sessions and sessions just building the relationship. But then mm. that is actually like the strongest foundation. And then to, to actually do... Um, other kinds of work afterwards mm-hmm. but the relationship even by itself can be really powerful yeah. for young people to just know that someone can listen to them yeah. so yeah. it's cool that you experience i mean it makes sense that it would be cool. all across like human services in yeah. general that relationships are important because yeah. it's like someone that is essentially a stranger <laughs> coming into your home and being yes. or like coming into your life and being like tell me everything yeah <laughs> which is like of course you need to like like them before of course. Yeah. talk to them of yeah. course and speaking i guess from my like the programs that i run right and facilitate is like I, these young people who you know they they were tapped on the shoulder to come in and join the program so they're like oh what what am i doing here <laughs> and then they meet someone for the first time who's an adult who they've never met before probably and like they have to tell them about everything mm. it's like it can be daunting but i think what i've found particularly with I, I think time the ability for them to meet quite regularly over i think for us it was like 20 weeks mm. gave them enough of a time to build that relationship yeah um and then and then being able to be vulnerable mm. that provision is there for them to share a lot of 
quite deep things and things that they may not have um, may not have been able to say to family and parents mm. before. So the trust the trust thing is actually yeah, is one of the things I found is very, very valuable. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. And I think it's also considering like maybe that young person or even that family mm. um, may have had experiences where they actually have engaged with maybe a clinician or therapist or social worker or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they've already had five mm. you know, mm, in the mm, past mm. and you're now coming in as this person who they've already built constructs around mm. yes. what um, support they're going to get out of that person yeah. in that role. Um, so it's even just considering that when meeting people for the first time because yeah. um, you want to maybe they were let down in the past or, yeah. you know their experiences weren't so great so it's starting that fresh again and being I guess you're the tool yeah yes who um you know opens up that space for them again and yeah hopefully build that willingness to Mm. work on what they have to work on yeah. yeah yeah and that's the biggest thing about like our foundation for counseling is we are client directed yeah 100 percent of the time yeah so yeah we, we might come in also with all of these presumptions about our clients as well but because we have that foundation of you know willing you know, getting the client to tell us where to where to go and, and i think that's why that's why i was drawn to our program at QUT. Mm. I think I tried the other one at the other university and I was like, mm, this is not for me. Mm. Too too reliant on DSM. Mm. Which is what I found with the other uni. But at QUT I was like, no, this this one I think works well for what how I view counseling to be, which yeah. is very client directed. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Definitely. So have you found like when you were talking about um, how there could be many other services that have helped them and you're the next one mm-hmm. have you ever found that you've had those really candid conversations with the families about their previous supports 100 yeah. percent. so when mm-hmm. i first started um in the family intervention service yeah. i was um they actually already had about four workers before me mm-hmm. and that was the caseload i was taking it off oh, yeah, some yeah. of these um time frames that the workers were involved were one was two weeks, oh, wow. one was, you know, a couple of months, and one mm. was, like, you know, a year or so. So mm. varying um, amounts of time these families spent with these workers individually. Yeah. So mm. here I am again saying I'm your new allocated worker. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just found, like, you know, I don't want to start off on the wrong side and assume you know, I'm just saving grace. <laughs> oh, it's going to come yes. into this family's home and start this change yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would just start off, you know, asking about those things. Have you worked with family support before? Mm-hmm. What was your experiences like? Um, you know, what were some of the things you enjoyed? What were some of the things that made you not want to engage with your girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just start building that rapport in that sense yeah that trust and just putting it over like i'm coming into your family's home you please take the lead Mm. yeah yeah i'm here to just listen and see what your worries are and see what we can do to support you yeah Yeah. Mm. that's Um, really awesome and i find that i think for some of those people it's the first time they were asked that they just Mm. assumed you know my children are removed I just have to engage 
with whoever I need to to get them back. Yeah. Mm. But I think it's also informing them. We are a voluntary service. Oh, yeah. You know, even though child safety referred you over to us, yeah. you don't have to. You don't need to work with us. And yeah. I'm very clear at telling them that because yeah. I don't want to be working with someone who's just going to be maybe was... abusive towards me because oh, yeah. they're pissed off at the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I very much inform them of their rights. Yeah. If they're not ready, so be it. Yeah. yeah. But if they are, we can take the steps to. You know, work to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Great really job. awesome. I feel like it's so powerful to talk about that, like, be really upfront. Because, like you said, I think yeah. they're not used to it. I think mm -hmm. oftentimes they think they have those assumptions, like, you're the mm -hmm. expert and you're going to come in and, like, you already know everything and sort of yeah. stuff like that. But when you present the way you, you do, mm -hmm. they're like, wow, this person actually cares. <laughs> <laughs> actually wants to listen to me, which yeah. is, that in itself is so powerful. So, yeah. yeah. So important. Mm. Yeah. Especially when you're in that position, you're liaising with child safety. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. As well as that family. So you're like the middleman. Yeah. You're like... I guess share information to both and child safety with family support agencies often get reliant. Um, not all child safety officers. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put that big disclaimer. Some are Just, good, some are good. Oh, I've had some amazing experiences. Um, but yeah. I think because you built that rapport with that family, you're seeing them weekly. Yeah. Child safety has a CSO does not. Yeah, maybe once a month is yeah. within that act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you really do know this family more, or at least know the ins and outs more. Yeah. yeah. So you're really trying to advocate with child safety that the family are working towards these things, yeah. but at yeah. the same time child safety is going, well, these are our non-negotiables yeah. that they need to address. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of like filtering mm. that so then they can still achieve their case plan goals. Yeah. And then yeah. child safety still has to be like, you know what, that's needs that yeah yeah um, or sometimes they're like that's not good enough they need to engage in db counseling right. mm -hmm. yeah but then it's like you know historically you this family and they're like five years ago the db looked so much more worse like we've actually come a long way and it's kind of acknowledging that it too although yeah. it might yeah, yeah, not yeah. be perfect relationship yeah. yeah you got to i guess acknowledge that they have tried and that they are trying. Yeah. Mm. They're just, you know, finding it on their way, on their own in yeah. that journey. And yeah. if that works, like, I don't want to discredit that. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of advocating, like, mm. and acknowledging that for mm. child safety. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's cool. But yeah. we work with um, non consenting families as well. Oh, do you? Okay. Ooh. What is that like? Yeah. yeah. I was going to yeah. ask. I'm it's intrigued. Like... Yeah. So this is. <laughs> You know, you got the regional intake service of child safety. Yeah. Um, so that's where all the notifications, yeah. child concern reports. I've had to call them a number of times. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's a bit daunting in the sense that it's like really that centre is going to be the make or break of a decision that it gets put into a child safety service centre. Yeah. Or yeah. They refer to some other external agency for support or if they go you know what maybe that's not as concerning that was a one-off kind of thing um mm. they actually are quite um, doing quite well so we don't need to be involved or even refer them out okay. um but then 
So after family intervention, I went into family well-being. Okay, yeah. So that's just working with um, Indigenous children. Okay, yeah. Um, was the main criteria is the caregivers didn't necessarily need to be of Indigenous background, mm-hmm. but if they had Indigenous children residing in their care, mm-hmm. that was enough for us to also support them. Okay. Um, but through that program... Now, family support has levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intrigued because I don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got universal, yeah. secondary, intensive, and tertiary. Okay. okay. So, family well being does all the space. Ooh. Criteria Indigenous family. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Fa- um, family intervention is just tertiary. Yeah. So, just that space. Yeah. I've currently moved roles from family well being now. Oh, okay. So, I'm yeah. in secondary. Okay. So, no child safety. Oh, okay. okay. But when I was in family well-being, that's when we got a lot of non-consenting referrals. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I was rocking up to the family's home. Yeah. Going, hi. You know, we actually received a referral from the regional intake around some of these concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's why you're going to the family's home. But how do you engage with these families? straight away and have that conversation as well as try and not convince i don't want to use that word Mm. but encourage them to want to maybe address some of these concerns yeah Mm. um some families will say you know f off yeah Yeah, i can imagine (laughs) you can you can yeah (laughs) and it's like you know what cool um and then we'll try other ways of engagement, mm-hmm. maybe a letter um, mm. or a phone call. Um, and some families are very, I guess, heightened because they're like, oh, my God, what is happening? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you've shaken them you yeah. Know, yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then it's going through the motions, mm-hmm. the waves of mm-hmm. really just being transparent mm-hmm. as to why you're there. Yeah. Um, as well as being open to talking about the worries and potential risks and consequences, Um, as well as then talking about the service and then saying, do you want to work with us? So just in that one meeting, you're having like this huge conversation. um, And there's no pressure. I go think about it Mm. and then we'll give you a call and check in. Yeah. Um, Because... You know, I think we all read body language quite well. Yeah. And if it's very hostile or very tense, like there's no point trying to, I guess, persuade. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think, mm. you know, you've just provided a lot of information that maybe they are aware of, maybe... They're not quite... They're aware. not quite, yeah, seeing maybe yeah. the risk towards yeah. what has happened. Mm. Um so it's navigating that space. And I did that for three years. Wow. Um, and then I was like, you know what? <laughs> when you think about systems, yeah. I'm feeling very stuck with these families in the system. Yeah. Um, and with child safety, you know, there are expectations around what you do, mm. even what family support role is. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. It can be a stressful space to navigate, especially with crisis involved and I guess high risk complexities and Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, So I thought, you know what, I I feel like I'm really, (laughs) I've built a lot of confidence Mm. having to just 
do that and yeah. come up with, you know, conversations to work with these families. Yeah. And I was like, I would love to work with families who are on the earlier mm. end yes. of this spectrum of yeah. child safety yeah. and um, and really have them have the willingness and the um, ownership first before I need to be the telling them. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's been a nice space. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. It's like yeah. you did you did three years of that, so you served oh, some good, good time really trying to assist these families. Yeah. And it was like... Yeah. And then, but I can also see how doing, like, in being there in the earlier stages is also so helpful. So maybe, mm-hmm. like, those families don't get down to mm-hmm. that side of the spectrum where people are intervening and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, involuntary. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. think all that work is, like, so helpful yeah. for families. Mm-hmm. And I just love, like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing because yes. I... You know, I, I, I guess liaise a lot with social workers mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I see like the family intensive services and their titles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had no idea yeah, like to yeah. what level, to what degree that necessarily means. So yeah. this has been like, I guess, so helpful it's for myself. very good. Yeah. And for me as well, because, you know, while I don't work with, I don't engage with the parents of my young people, mm. but from a from an organizational perspective we're networking with quite a number of different services like in logan um we have you know we have quite a presence now in logan and interacting with all of these other like um family intervention services and then um interacting with youth justice as well it's like mm. ooh, all mm. these like mm. like it's good i guess it's yeah. beneficial for me as well just to know what kind of world social workers particularly yeah. in the family space and child yeah. safety space working yeah no, that's it yeah. And, and that's the thing is like um i guess other stakeholders especially mm. in different sectors might not quite understand mm. um maybe how to access the rights mm. family support area yeah. yeah um and that's why they have developed family and child connect yeah. um so that's sort of like the go-to yeah okay um they mainly do the assessments, um, intake, triage with the families, mm-hmm. um, but they only provide four to six weeks support. Oh, okay. Um, this is good that, to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. once that space yeah. is up, they would either assess, you know what, this family, we were able to link them with what they needed through yeah. just us in that space because sometimes it's just referral-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they come to the end of their assessment. This means ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Support. But what level of family support yeah. does that look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in secondary, it's vulnerable families, oh, okay. not okay. complex. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, you look at maybe their psychosocial area, and there's maybe three things: housing, relationships, mm-hmm. um, mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we go, you know what? That's something you can support them with. Mm-hmm. Versus maybe. Similar family, housing, relationship, mental health, but there's an element of DV yeah. and maybe child safety, mm-hmm. mm. historical involvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're assessing this family, like, hmm, where are they at? Is this something we can support them or is this more intensive family support? Mm-hmm. Will they need more regular catch-ups? Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's really important for other external referrers to know that yeah, yeah. Totally. because at the same time like that really hinders the time frame that these families are then being 
in the right space of support. Yeah. Because yeah. then mm-hmm. we might reject that referral. And then mm-hmm. they have to go to IFS, but IFS is waiting like, past eight weeks, you know. Oh, okay. So it's really important. And that's the mm-hmm. space that we're looking now at COVID. Yeah. Is yeah. wait lists in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're even getting to a wait list of, uh, we're not seeing families for up to six weeks oh. after they've been referred. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you go to health and, yeah. again, they're not again. seeing some families for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then housing now are changing a lot of their um, programs. So NRAS is not being available anymore. Oh, okay. Um, do you know, know NRAS? I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's the National Rental Affordability Scheme. Mm-hmm. So that's like you can apply through um, housing mm-hmm. and that's finding rent. Rental properties that are 20% lower than market rate value. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So it was really helpful, you yeah. know, you're getting a yeah, four yeah, bedroom yeah. for maybe 200 something mm-hmm. a yeah, week, yeah. which is huge. Unheard of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then housing has a crisis of their departmental housing, community mm-hmm. housing. We're seeing that in our private rental space. Yeah. Um, but we're still having the same issues where there are homeless people there are families without mm. homes there are yeah. families needing transfers because of safety issues yeah, yeah. Mm. and now you're just feeling stuck because you are supporting this family yeah all of these areas and you're like you know what housing potentially a year health mm. potentially 18 yeah. months yeah you know so how do we continue to I guess keep these families motivated that mm. and hopeful that they are going to be supportive. Yeah, because yeah. mm. right now they're just stressed, and this is affecting children's school. Yeah. This is affecting yeah. their employment. Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting, diverse space. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting work. Mm. I guess that we're all in working with people and their real lives, and yeah. now with systems that have waitlists. So yeah, yeah it's definitely. Mm. But thank you for sharing that family and child connect. It's just reminded me how valuable that is mm. because it is a resource that I've used before, but but I haven't used it in a while. Yeah. So I think now kind of re-remembering that, I will be looking out <laughs> for yeah. potential families that would like to be referred. Mm. To yeah. Cool. We're going to start slowly wrapping up this episode, but I wanted to ask... Um, you know, I guess you, you've worked in this space for far longer than Eunice or mm. myself. And I was curious to know what advice you would give to anyone who is going to enter um, this industry, particularly at a such a client-facing, quite intensive level at some point. You know? yeah. um, I think be authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main part. When you are the person who is... The facilitator of change you don't you know you're not using medicine you're not using i guess external things to help this person or family mm-hmm. so i think it's trusting in yourself to be authentic um it's taking into consideration the ethics that you've learned and known and applying that um i guess individually i think um to each client you're facing mm-hmm. because the engagement looks different person to person Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you're going to find 
your role in that space more enjoyable too when you don't necessarily feel the pressure of I need to act a certain way as a professional. Mm. I need to know certain things as a professional. You know, my role is a certain way. Mm. But I think utilising what you have and pushing the system as you can, Mm -hmm. advocating for as much as you can when I guess a lot of people aren't being supported Mm. how they should be Mm. um, and just being present um, and just their livelihood really. Mm -hmm. I think it's so humbling that they allow you to enter their space and be a part of their journey in whatever success that's going to help. But I think, you know, as much as you learn at uni, I feel like you take 50% of that and then you're on your own. So it's figuring out the other half. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it's enjoyable, it's rewarding, Mm. might not be externally as obviously rewarding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that you're potentially impacting change generations to come. Mm. Yeah. I think that's just as powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. I can like really hear the passion that you have for this industry and it's just great meeting beating. I already know you, but I guess like (laughs) hearing hearing the kind of work that you do do. And like we need lots more people like you in this industry, you know. People that are just genuinely here to help. And will advocate as much as they can. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I left out self-care. Yes, yes that's right. Thing, especially <laughs> when, you know, you're the emotional cup for so yes. many yeah. people. Yeah. I think um, checking in with yourself. That's why I love the check-in at the start. Very <laughs> therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Cool. No, it's been, it's been great to have you on and... How has this experience been? I assume this is your first time like getting recorded for podcast reasons. So. 100%. <laughs> um, it's been good. I think if I'm not staring at the mic, yeah, it really yeah. is just conversational. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of nice talking about what I do because I guess I've explained it very limited when it's just conversational with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to kind of unpack it a little bit more. There's mm. so much more to oh, it. Yeah. But oh, yes. oh, yeah. Hence why I, I said think. we'll have you back <laughs> yeah. for more episodes. If you'd like to come back. Oh, yeah. The door is always back. open. <laughs> yeah, the door is always open. But, yeah. Yay. No, it's good to hear. Thank yeah. you, Ricky, for spending some time with us. Um, and I think that's – is there anything else you wanted to – share i think that was pretty much it okay (laughs) cool so um we'll see everyone all of our listeners on our next episode bye thanks for listening to this episode of unpack this brain if you'd like to follow us we are on twitter instagram and facebook just search unpack this brain if you'd like to send us any questions feel free to do so Use the hashtag unpackthisbrain or send us a DM or send us an email unpackthisbrain at gmail.com. This podcast was created by the lovely people over at Great Mates Podcast. Feel free to subscribe to any of our podcasts wherever you're listening. We'd also like to acknowledge the First Nations owners on whose lands we are creating this podcast. Mm-hmm.